It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to Access Talk with Trish, a 30-minute weekly online radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our community. And I'm your host for the show, Trish Show, disability inclusion coach, author, facilitator, motivational speaker. I'm a woman with a disability, but definitely not a disabled woman. The Access Talk with Trish radio show can be heard live on Wednesdays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern at accesstalkwithtrish.com, or you can listen to past show recordings on demand at any time at the same address or on iTunes, if that's how you roll. This show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. And on that note, I'd like to introduce you to Deborah Rue, my guest this week, CEO of Rue Global Communications, Barrier Slayer and of Epic Proportions and Global Disability Inclusion Strategist. When told by experts that her daughter Sarah, who was born with Down syndrome, would be lucky to push shopping carts at the local grocery store, Deborah refused to accept this. When she told friends and family that she was going to start a for-profit organization that would help companies see the worth and potential in hiring people with disabilities, she was met with skepticism. Deborah's unshakable faith on the power of human potential and her love for her daughter led her to create Tech Access, which was an information and communications technology accessibility firm, and most employees were technologists with disabilities. By 2011, Deborah had built Tech Access into a multi-million dollar firm, but realized their mission was not yet complete. Convinced that the real disability is being unable to see human potential, she went on to create Rue Global Communications. With Rue Global, Deborah focuses on global disability inclusion, digital marketing, employability, information communication technology, accessibility, human rights, social media marketing, and implementation of the United Nations Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities. She consults with Fortune 100 companies and nations, including Kenya, Oman, Egypt, and the Bahamas. Deborah is a global keynote speaker and was honored to be invited to address the United Nations General Assembly in May of 2016. Co-founder of Access Chat, that's www.accesschat.com, A-X-S, chat, a Twitter chat about accessibility and disability inclusion. Deborah proudly shares that Access Chat is now the number one tweet chat in the world with over a billion tweets. I can't even imagine that. 
Deborah is recognized as a global influencer on social media and uses the following platforms, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Google+, Tumblr, and Pinterest. Oh, my word. Her social <laughs> media handle is at Deborah Rue with over 300,000 plus followers on all mediums. Deborah is also a blogger for the Huffington Post. My goodness, Deborah, you are a busy lady. I'm fascinated by your global involvement and accessibility and inclusion initiatives. Please tell me at the beginning, how did it all start? Well, Trish, first of all, thank you for having me on the program. I have known about your work for many, many years and um, have been a fan, like I know a lot of other people are as well. But I would say that it started um, when our daughter was, um, when she was born with trisomy 21 or Down syndrome, um, the doctors did not diagnose this until she was four months old, which is very unusual in the United States. And then when they did diagnose that there was a problem, um, it was such a tragedy. It was like, you know, let's put her in an institution. Not all families do, but it's an option. And yeah. she probably won't walk and she probably won't talk. And, oh, and be careful. She might get pregnant when she's 16. And newsflash, if you have a 16-year-old daughter, they could get pregnant. Of course, we do know how to prevent that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, just little things like that, when we're trying to absorb that you're telling us this baby is a different person than we thought. Yeah. It, 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 and, and I almost felt, I'm, all, I'm this silver lining type, type of girl. So I remember thinking, I'm glad that I had four months to get to know this little soul before the doctors told me she was broken because I... Uh, you know, just ha if I just had the baby and they were telling me that I would have been dealing with everything else I was dealing with, just having given birth to a baby. So um, mm -hmm. at this point, at least I'd had four months to, you know, heal my body and mind and everything from giving mm -hmm. birth. And, and you know what? I just didn't buy it. I didn't buy the tragedy. And I'm not saying I, that we weren't scared and that we weren't, yeah. that we didn't go through all kinds of paths of grief. Um, no doubt. Yeah, you know, I mean, life is life, but I just decided that the experts were wrong um, because everything I looked at at the time, now my daughter's 30 years old now, so, but at the time it was such dreary, dark information and most of the information we had about individuals with Down syndrome was institutional information. Take a baby from their family, put them in an institution and see how they, go, they do. Well, they don't do so well. Nice. So, um, and it, it was going to take a lot of very strong men to get this baby out of my hands because I was going to raise my daughter. Nobody else was going to. So, but at the time, I also remember thinking, I wonder what this means for my life. And now I'm part of this community that I don't know much about. Um, you know, what, how can I add more value? Because I always felt like, you know, like I know you do, Trish, and that, you know, if I was blessed with life, that maybe I'm supposed to try to make the world a better place than I, than I found it. Right. So um, whenever we, we at the time were in Florida um, uh, and uh, thinking of Florida that just got hit with her Hurricane Irma. Mm -hmm. And um, but but we moved to the lovely state or Commonwealth of Virginia in 1994. And we actually moved partially because at the time in Florida, 
there, uh, each state in the United States, of course, decides what the state is going to focus on. And there's a lot of elderly people in the, in Florida, um, because the weather is pretty despite hurricanes. And, yeah. um, so special education at the time in Florida, at the time, it, it just was not, um, as good as some of the other school, the other states. And so I had gotten a job offer from a bank in Richmond, Virginia. As a matter of fact, I'd gotten a couple of job offers. And so I felt that their special education at the time was better than what Florida was offering to us. So our family moved to Virginia. And when my daughter reached middle school, I started hearing, um, you know, from the experts on employment and how she was never going to add any value to the workforce. And I thought, really, why? Have you met her? I mean, why have you, why do you decide she can add no value? And so I decided um, in 2000 that I would become an entrepreneur and I would become an employer of people with disabilities. How hard can it be? Well, it's really hard to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> and, uh, and I was always a technologist in the banking right. industry. And um, I was a vice president and blah, blah, blah. But um, so I created Tech Access, and that's where you and I met when I had that company. And as you noted, most of the employees were technologists with disabilities. And I'll tell you, Trish, most of them were self taught because at the time, nothing was accessible. Schools weren't accessible, universities weren't accessible, both physically and all of the you know, the lessons and the classes and, you know, it was very, even more difficult at that time for individuals with disabilities. And so we've come a long way. We have a long way to go. We do. Yeah, but at the time, um, I I just was really blessed to work with some very talented uh, technologists with disabilities, and they taught me a lot, and our customers loved them. The thing that gets the most interest from me is um, is the employing people with disabilities. I'm totally inspired by you launching a company that that went to you know multi million dollar company um, that employs people with disabilities, and and that was the whole purpose of the business. That was so cool. Uh, you yeah. just combined all your passions and your skills together and uh, came up with Tech Access. I'm always looking for great accessible employment stories. Can you give me a couple of examples of how you accommodated your employees? Uh, absolutely, and then, and then I'm also gonna get cheeky on that answer. So okay. I, I've, I've been blessed to be in the media a lot uh, over the years, and I, I remember a reporter was interviewing me once and uh, for a television show, and she asked me that question. And I said, well, I accommodate my employees because I want to keep my employees because it's very expensive for me as an employer to have my employees leave and hire new employees. It's just very expensive, um, and there's no, we know this as societies, how expensive it is to replace our employees. We lose our intellectual data, we blah, right. blah, blah. We lose talented workers. Well, the thing that I thought, so what I was saying was I have a, um, one of my employees, his wife is going to have the first baby. Um, often, I know from experience, when a new baby comes into the household, nobody's sleeping very good for a while. And, you know, everybody's, it's just, 
Yeah, it can be a little confusing. So I accommodated this employee by saying, you work whatever hours you need to. We understand the baby and the mom, you need to support him. So I accommodated this employee because he was a great employee. I also accommodated another employee that temporarily hurt themselves by uh, giving them parking space that was closer to the building. Um, and I accommodated my employees that were blind by making sure they had screen readers or my employees that were deaf, making sure we understood, could we text, you know, how can we best accommodate their communication style? Right. Um, and, and most of the accommodations, of course, didn't cost me anything. But what I gained as an employer was more productive employees, happier employees, employees that could actually communicate with each other, despite which language they preferred to use, including one of my employees that is actually still with me, Rosemary Musashio. She's my chief accessibility officer at Rue Global Communications. Rosemary was born with cerebral palsy, and she cannot speak in the traditional manner. She can utter um, noises, but she has to use communication devices. And she's a brilliant speaker, but she just does it in a very non-traditional way. And so I accommodated it. And guess what I did? Ooh, big surprise. I asked my employees with the disabilities how how they would like me to accommodate them. And because they were really my best resource because they knew what they needed. And a lot of them were already using certain things. And some of them at the time liked windows or eyes. Some of them liked JAWS. We didn't have the NVDA screen readers, which is so wonderful, open source. But I asked my employees and they taught me. I I will Mm -hmm. tell you, Trish, also when I first started this, I had air quotes, people saying to me, well, you're not physically disabled. Why are you in this conversation? And I would say, well, you know, I have a daughter. Oh, you parents. And I thought, come on, we are all part of this community. Of course. Yeah. And and we all can add value. And I am never, I don't want to take away a job for an, from an individual with disabilities, but I think it's very important that we all be in the conversation if we want to make the world better for everyone. So I also had to walk that path. Yeah, absolutely. And and if we're to come up with solutions that work for everybody, everybody has to be in the conversation. Disability right. doesn't just happen to the individual. Disability happens to the family. Oh, good, good, good. Very good point. Yeah. So now with uh, Global Communications, I see your mission is still inclusion and accessibility communications. Um, could you tell our listeners about the nature of some of the projects you've taken on around the world? right out of the gate, a lot of corporations knew about me and it tracked me still. And they liked that I was, that I wanted to tell the good stories of the brand. So, um, but I started working right immediately with Egypt and Egypt was doing some really cool things where they were uh, educating and employing individuals that were deaf and blind. Uh, that I, and so I, uh, two different segments, people that were deaf mm-hmm. and people that were blind, not deaf blind. And, um, they did not have any employment expectations because they had seen other countries, including the U.S. do it and not really have successful employment outcomes. But so they worked with some large corporations and they, um, they took these talented individuals and they trained them how to do the jobs and they wound up having a 70% employment outcome, which was really exciting because that was around, that was the Arab Arab springtime when Egypt was really struggling. And, you know, Egypt is still, Egypt lost 95% of their tourist trade, which was their main trade. So 
um, you know, it's been, it's been some tough times for Egypt, but it showed us, continued to show us that innovation can happen anywhere, any country, developed and developing. Yeah, and, and under any circumstances. Right, right. And, and to decide, as you said earlier, it is about human potential. And, and I have worked really hard to help the corporate brands in the countries too, but I, I work now more with corporate brands and United Nations agencies, but to really work with them to help them understand that we all add value, we, we, but we do have to get education and we have to get technical training and all the things everybody else gets if, if you aren't disabled and we need access to assistive technology and accommodations and just people understanding that first we're human beings, First, we're human beings. <laughs> so, mm. uh, and so I started out though working with Egypt, and at the time I was um, helping out IBM and Microsoft, and uh, then I I worked in Singapore and Oman and um, a lot of the Middle Eastern countries, and I'm heading to Saudi Arabia in a couple of weeks because there's some very interesting innovation happening in the Middle Eastern countries. And yes, we're, there's some problems in our Middle Eastern countries, like look who's talking. I'm in the U.S. right now, so we, we could spend many, many shows talking about the problems in my, my beautiful little U.S. here. Definitely. Yeah, but so, and, and I started working with, you know, really big brands like um, Accenture and HP and Canon and AT&T and Verizon and just some really well-known brands. And I um, worked with UNICEF, which is part of the United Nations, helping them create policies and training on how do they make sure they're accessible and that they're accommodating employees around the world. I'm really blessed to work with the International Labor Organization, who has created a um, program called the Global Business Disability Network. And the, um, some of the largest multinational corporations in the world are part of this network. Yeah, and why is that important, Trish? We want the small entrepreneurs, small businesses, medium businesses, but if we can convince the major brands that they should be including people with disabilities in their workforce, the numbers get pretty staggering. Today, of just um, right now they have 25 multinational corporations, and that equates to over 4 million jobs. So think of the influence, and they're about to announce, I think, five more multinational companies have joined, and they're companies like Dow, Accenture, IBM, Wonderful. L'Oreal, yeah, companies from all over the world, all over the world. Companies that are leading by example. Yes, and, and we see them in Australia, we have lots of cool stuff happening in Canada, um, so in, in developing countries, Central America, so there's a lot happening. There's still, I don't want to underestimate it, there's still so much to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the reality is we're human beings first. Yeah. We're multi, you know, we're multidimensional human beings and we all add value. So lots going on, but lots to do, as you know, Trish. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to go to commercial. And when we come back, we're going to talk about access chat. Devon has been with his company for over five years, since before his legs started giving him trouble. He loves his job, he's great at it, and he plans to stay with the company till retirement if possible. Problem is, it's getting difficult for him to walk from his desk to the washroom. His supervisor, Aisha, lets Devon know that she's noticed he's having some trouble. She suggests they move his desk closer to the entrance and the washroom. Devon is relieved and agrees. 
This is an example of a basic accommodation that helps make a workplace inclusive. Did you know that 50% of accommodations don't cost a dime and 80% cost $500 or less? The inclusion of people with disabilities in the workforce is the best answer to our current labor shortages. And making businesses accessible to customers with disabilities sees you tapping into their $32 billion spending power. Sound good? Then let a changing paces, warm, and friendly expert take you by the hand and walk you through the steps to making your business accessible to everyone. Visit us at changingpaces.com today. And we're back. Let's talk access chat. I watched a few of your podcasts. I caught particularly the one uh, uh, with the guy from Uber. Very cool. Yes. Tell, yeah. us the, tell us your vision for access chat and how do you see it contributing to the global conversation about inclusion? Well, one thing that I realized, I, I, my father taught me technology, and I love technology. And I know technology can be used for great good and great evil, but mm. I, I focus on that great good part. So uh, when social media came around, I thought, wow, this is an opportunity for the community of people with disabilities to really, really finally get a bigger voice. And so I worked really hard to be very engaged on social media. And I'm, I'm blessed to have a, a really large following. And um, that you do. Yeah. And, and a global following. Because once again, this conversation is not about any country. This yeah. is about this is about humanity, not nationality. And so I um, so one day I was doing a tweet chat. And what a tweet chat is for those of that, you that might not know. Thank you. you. Use that yeah, we use a hashtag and you come up with a word and then everybody can follow the conversation and join in the conversation if they use that hashtag. And so I had done one for um, one of my clients and we were talking about what they were doing with accessibility and a couple of guys um, that were working with ATOS, which is a very, uh, very, very large um, system integrator. Um, that is uh, in France, but they have employees all over the world, and they're very active on employing people with disabilities and accessibility and stuff. And so they said, hey, do you want to do a, um, a tweet chat together? And I'm like, absolutely. I always love global conversations. One of the guys, Antonio Santos, he lives in both Ireland and Portugal. His family is in Portugal, but he, he works in Ireland because that's where the work is, an amazing man. And the other one is Neil Milliken, and he works in England. So we created Access Chat, and at the time, A-C-C-E-S-S -S Chat was being used by a small group of people that were talking about blindness and issues. And so we didn't want to step on them because that would be bad manners. And so we created this made-up word, A-X-S chat, which is access chat, but it's spelled A-X-S as in Sam chat. And so we started doing it. We tagged it. We were very faithful to it. We've been doing it since November 2015. We would, every single week, we would have a conversation about disability inclusion or accessibility. We would have brands on there. We would have individuals with different disabilities. We would have professors. We have had lords. We've had ambassadors. Every Tuesday we do this. And the access, we are the second largest tweet chat in the world. The second largest on any topic talking about disability inclusion and accessibility. And now we've had over 2 billion tweets, but access chat has been 
a delightful surprise for all of us. We have a very active community. We have people that come back week after week after week. We have people that, um, because it's hard to pick a time when it's convenient for everybody. So we do it at eight o'clock at night in the United Kingdom, which happens to be three o'clock for you and I, Trish, that are both on the East Coast time zone. Right. And so, but so people in Australia and in India and China, it's a little bit harder to join because, you know, it's middle of the night. And right. yet, and yet we do have some people that actually stay up and participate in this. It's amazing. And that's how much this conversation is needed. And it's a very, um, it's a very lively community. It's, we were the number one and then, um, Hootsuite realized, who is a wonderful tool, that these little three people doing it on their own had taken over the number one position. And so they changed what they were doing and they took that position back. But I'll take number two in the world. Shoot, I'll take 15 in the world. Who sure, <laughs> so. cares? Yeah, we just want to have these conversations that show that people with disabilities can do the same thing that anybody else can do. You might just have to accommodate us. So what? At any time this morning, I needed you to accommodate me, Trish, because I was running late and I was driving to try to get on here on to my office on time. And you accommodated me and gave me a few minutes. That's accommodation. That's accommodation. Yeah. yeah. I um I I frequently say that accessibility is never going to be 100%. It's just physically impossible in many So what I feel is more important than accessibility is an attitude of accommodation. Because the attitude of accommodation can can get you past any barrier. I agree, and I agree, and also, Trish, I think the reason why we're not there yet is because we're changing too fast. It, it is it, it is overwhelming. If you think, anyone that's listening to this program, think about the changes that have happened in your lifetime. I don't care how old or how old, young you are. We have, This is unprecedented change, and and I think as human beings, we're trying to understand how to use these technology changes, the globalization, the medical advance, in a way that doesn't accidentally leave large, large people out, mm -hmm. even though that is, you know, happening and it's been happening for a long time all over the world. And, and in developed countries, too, there's tons of people being left out. Listen, here in Canada, we have disability legislation in Ontario, Manitoba, and Nova Scotia so far. But we're only now just working on a Canadians with Disabilities Act. From your experience working on inclusion with governments across the globe, is there any advice you'd give lawmakers here? We've seen quite a bit of innovation coming from the legislation that you do have. And um, I think, though, that, you know, the advice that I have to the law, to the legislation, the lawmakers is really get the corporate brands more involved because what we're seeing all over the world um, is that the innovation does not appear that that is going to come from our governments, but it seems like it's going to come from um, the corporations. Now, of course, it is going to come from the governments as well, but I think one thing we learned here in the United States, regardless of if people like our current administration or not, 
that to sit back and expect our government to fix all of our problems is mm. um, maybe naive. And maybe we actually won't like what you come up with. And mm -hmm. so I think it's very important that any legislation, first of all, and I, I know Canadians are so, so smart, but first of all, remember, we have the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, or CRPD, and um, most countries, I think we're up to 180 countries have signed, and most countries, one of them not, have ratified it, not the U.S., unfortunately, and I hope we will show global leadership and do that, but at this time, the United States has not ratified the convention, but I would make sure it's complementary of the convention because so many countries have signed and ratified the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. So one thing we have to make sure we do is when Canada, for example, is doing this legislation and policies, make sure that it harmonizes with other policies that are already in the world. Now, Canada is much better about that than the United States sometimes. The United States has a little bit of history of thinking it's, it's only us, and we, <laughs> God bless us, are figuring out, nope, nope. There's actually a whole world out there, and there's a lot of countries bigger than us. But I think keeping in mind that all of the stakeholders should be included in the conversations, and that includes the corporate brands, the employers, the individuals with disabilities, different types of disabilities, but also, and I know that uh, Canada's doing that, making sure that you're including global experts in these conversations too, because yes, we want what's best for the Canadians with disabilities, but Canada is part of the world and a very welcoming part of the world as well. So making sure all of the stakeholders are included in the conversations and that hasn't happened with some of the other countries. Very good, very good advice. Thank you, Deborah. Is there one message or objective around global inclusion that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, I will say that I also have a program that Trish, you have graciously agreed to be a guest on and it's called human potential at work and you can go to my website www.ruhglobal.com and find the show there but we talk a lot on the program about human potential human potential because just because a person can't speak or can't walk or whatever it doesn't mean they don't still have potential and that they don't want to contribute so mm -hmm. i think really remembering that we all have human potential and we all can contribute you know if society will let us contribute and i would also say it is critical to humanity that we let everyone contribute especially right now when so many societies are aging in the united states we have 74 million baby boomers all over the age of 55 and many of us are acquiring disabilities as we age because we haven't always eaten well and exercised and because we have these fragile bodies trish mm -hmm. so i uh, remembering that aging and acquiring disabilities only 20 percent of um, people with disabilities are born with a disability like my daughter born with down syndrome most of us acquire disabilities as we live our our lives and so make sure that we're including everyone because you know we I think that we're better if we can break down some of the silos and make sure that um, everybody that wants to be part of these conversations in a meaningful way can be part of the conversations no matter who they are you know what their abilities or disabilities you know that we all can add value to these human conversations 
Beautiful, beautiful. And if any of our listeners want to contact you, how can they do that? Well, as you mentioned, Trish, I'm all over social media. So um, Twitter is the medium I'm on the most, but I'm also, we have a Facebook group um, that's called Human Potential at Work, and all are welcome. Uh, so I'm on Facebook and Twitter at D-E-B-R-A-R-U-H, and then Access Chat, A-X-S-Chat.com, or A-X-S Chat, hashtag, uh, I'm pretty easy to find. You can Google me too. And my website, once again, is www.ruglobal.com. Thank you so much, Deborah. I really appreciate you being on the show today. It's been quite a slice. <laughs> thank you, Trish. And thank you to our listeners so much for joining us for today's episode of Access Talk with Trish, a 30-minute weekly online radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our communities. Please join us again next week on Wednesday at 11.30 Eastern. The show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. Till next time, everybody, take self-care seriously and God bless. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.